You're very welcome to Monday Afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio on this glorious October day. My word, coming in this morning, the heat, isn't it just incredible? I was saying to somebody that really we hadn't days like this by times in uh, July and August. We really hadn't. It's amazing it is and it's going to last for a few more days as well and very welcome it is indeed. God bless the weather as they say. You're very welcome to the show this Monday afternoon. Forgive my voice, it's a little hoarse and it's hoarse for a couple of reasons. <clears throat> I've had an old chest thing for the last week or more and uh, it's just not blimmin' well clearing up. It's not you-know-what that's certain tested and all done there but something else. Anyway, I'm attending to it at the moment but my voice, forgive me today, is just a little uh, on the rough side and I suppose that's to do as well with what happened on Friday night last because we were at the IMRO uh, radio Awards, the, the National Radio Awards for the country, North and South. It's a wo- the one body for North and South. And uh, we won. Yes, we won in the moment of the year category. Uh, absolutely thrilled to pick up the award. It's the second time we've won it in three years because you might remember Saved by an Angel in 2021 picked up the same award. And this time it was losing my boys to suicide. We had a fantastic night at the awards. And I want to say Louise Walsh and Maggie McGuire were looking amazing. Fiona O'Brien joined us, Chris Murray, Eamon Doyle, Michael Crawley. And also with us on our table was Chris Nickell. And he picked up a bronze award for his documentary, Whatever Happened to Gertrude Page, his first ever award. Well done, Chris. He was with us. And the wonderful Sarah McCann, who's a great friend of ours here in LMFM. Her documentary that broadcast on Midwest Radio about the wonderful Frank Greeley, the runner, picked up a silver award. And it was her first. And the joy... For those people, it's it was it was to be hold to be honest with you. And well done, congratulations to both of them. We had other nominations. Michael Reed was nominated. Myself for speech broadcast. We had the late lunch, and nothing had happened through the evening. And the final award of the night was the speech. Uh, was the uh, moment of the year? The moment of the year award. And it was a tough category, but God, when our name came out, we went absolutely as We really, really did. It, it, it's some feeling because the, two years ago when we won it, of course, the, the awards were remote at that stage. And uh, we, we were gathered here in LMFM, but there was no ceremony. But it was great to be in the Lyrath in Kilkenny and have the big, big audience and to go up there and pick it up. There is no greater feeling. There really isn't when you work in this business. But uh, it was a great night and a great night for the group, for our group News Corps. It was a wonderful night. Cork 96, FM 104, Q102 and Live 95 all picking up awards. And when I tell you that there are 41 categories, over 900 entries this year, to get a shortlisting is amazing. To pick up a bronze or silver award is tremendous. To get the gold, well, they're hard come by. They really, really are. But I want to say my thank yous today at the start of the show because... It would never have happened without our own Michelle Megan because Michelle brought the story to me and I want to sincerely thank Michelle for taking it to us on late lunch. Without Michelle, it would never have happened, I have to say. And to Patrice Matthews, who came into this studio along with Sandra Byrne to talk about Patrice, Patrice to talk about her story about losing her two boys to suicide, PJ and Mikey. I'll never forget that day because I knew I was in the midst of something really, really special. And subsequently, uh, Safe Castle Bellingham, Suicide Awareness for Everyone, has been founded and is doing great work on the ground there. But I want to say that in winning this award, there is a deep, deep sadness as well. For Patrice, 
and for her family, her other children, at the loss of PJ and Mikey. And I want to dedicate the award to the memory of PJ and Mikey and to the Mammy Patrice and thank them sincerely. Because what she did will make a huge difference and is making a huge difference in the lives of others. But look, for myself, again, I have to say, it's a privilege to sit at this microphone every day and do what I do because I absolutely love it. And I thank Michael Crawley and Eamon Doyle again who took a chance on me and afforded me the opportunity to do this almost 15 years ago. It'll be 15 years in January. And I have to say, it's something I love. I just love doing Every day, I love it. And it has its challenges and we have our twos and fro's. That's part of the business as well. It really is. But it's become a massive part of my life. And I want to thank all of the people who've worked with me through the years on Late Lunch. Brian Farley's with me today. My sidekick's not in, by the way. Louise is not with me today. She's off. She'll be back tomorrow. You know, when I started out with Deirdre Hurley as producer and others have stepped in. Our Sinead Brazel was with me for a time and Kira, and many others as well who came in and, and helped and help make this show what it actually is. But I have to mention in particular my producer, Louise Walsh. As I said, she's not here today, but what can I say about her? She's she's just great. And we're completely different. We're yin and yang. We're totally opposite people. But we get on great. We complement each other. We agree, we disagree. But we're a solid team at the end of the day. And our successes and my successes is down in a big part to Louise, what she does, because she brings so much to the equation here. And I love her to bits and thank her for all that she does every single day on Late Lunch. To my family who support me unconditionally and always have, thank you so much. They're my greatest backers and I love them. I love them to bits. I really, really do. And to all of you who sent me the, oh, the congratulations and the good wishes it just was unbelievable across social media Friday night into Saturday, even into today, messages of all sorts. I couldn't begin to reply to everybody, but I want to say from my heart, thank you so much to everybody who sent good wishes. I really do appreciate it. It's just marvellous. It's been a marvellous, marvellous weekend. But again, I say I want to dedicate the winning of Radio Moment of the Year to the memories of PJ and Mikey and to their mother Patrice and with that in mind let's have a listen back to what the radio moment was and the interview was more lengthy than what you're going to hear now but this is the actual entry that went in this year and won the gold award what the biggest award in radio to be radio moment of the year in Ireland north and south this little radio station LMFM up against the might of BBC RTE and everybody it's some achievement anyway here is Patrice Matthews and in this extract, she's talking about her son, PJ. But in that hour, just something changed in him. Literally something changed in him. And um, he became very upset. He was inconsolable. I couldn't, he wouldn't even tell me what was wrong. And I remember going out to talk to him outside and I was like, come on in, tomorrow's a new day, have a cup of tea. You know, um, we'll talk about it tomorrow. And I remember he did come in and he went up to his bed and I sat in the bottom of his bed and then he just... I remember him jumping out of the bed and he said, you know, he says, no, he says, I need to clear my head. And I says, from where are you going? And he, he just went outside and I followed. I didn't want to hassle him, mm. but I followed him. And um, he was where my house is, the farm is literally behind us. And he was walking up the lane and I did see the yard lights on. And I actually thought his dad was there. 
checking the cattle and when the yard lights went off I says he must have met him with his dad mm. and I left him for about five minutes and my other son Buki was in the kitchen and I said do you know I'm going up there was something unsettling with me I said I'm going up and I went up and he was actually in the medicine shed but his father wasn't there so I don't know how the lights were on I don't know if it was something or whatever but we went up and I got talking to him and he, he was upset and I remember rubbing his face and the tears were tripping and I says Peter come on we go to the house I said um Let's go home. And he says, right, no bother. And he plugged his phone. Buki turned off the lights in the shed and I walked on. PJ walked on, but it was dark. So I assumed he was gone ahead of me. And I went home. Buki came home. We went in and I noticed PJ wasn't there. And um, I went to calling from him. No one's answering. And then this was literally within 10 minutes of speaking to him. He answered the phone to me. I says, where are you? I'm here in the yard. I says what are you doing up there again? I says, come on home. Yeah, 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 I'll be down now, I'll be down now. And he hung up the phone. And but two minutes later I went by and I says, no, and I messaged him, where are you? He says, I'm on my way. And I wrote back, right, come on. I says, we can have a chat at the table. And he wrote back, okay. And I left it about, for, about five minutes. And uh, I, I messaged him again. I says, Peter, where the hell are you? I says, getting late. And the message didn't go. So I upped from the table and I said to Buki, I'm going back up here. And I was going up the yard as quick as I could. And I remember saying to Buki, what's the air code of the yard? And he goes, why? I had this sick feeling. I said, we're going to need an ambulance. I just knew. I'm going in the gates. I saw the same shed. I took him out of 10 minutes previous with the door shut and the light was on and I could hear music. And the minute I opened the door, I knew he was right there in front of me. I'll never forget the screams of Buki. And then I realised it was me that was actually screaming. But I have to say, the response from the ambulance and fire crew and guards, they were there within five minutes. It's just, they walked them for about 30 minutes in the yard, got his heart back. Um, I actually had to cut him down. And that was a hard thing to do and give him CPR. Um, I actually done first day three years previous, not thinking that I'd ever need it. But I'd done the CPR on him till the first responder arrived and they walked for about 30 minutes on him and then transported him to the Lourdes um, and I have to say they were brilliant up there even in ICU um, he had two massive cardiac arrests on the way and he was put into the CCU and then moved to the ICU um, oh, they're just fantastic staff they supported me and the family a lot and he was there for what about five days five days but he didn't make it he didn't make it um, they'd done the brain stem tests yes. for activity they've done it twice to be 100% sure mm. because I was iffy about any machines ranting going off um, and then we were called me and his dad were called in and we had Mikey and Bookie and Millie there and um, the decision was made that you know there was nothing we they had to turn off the machines turn off the machines and he, he passed away he passed I away I just yeah. looked at your face you can still see that image that me oh, met you every day every day every day every day it's hard and you had to take him down. I had to take you him cut down. him down from. Yeah. Oh my God, Almighty! And then his older brother Mikey who was yeah. eighteen. Eighteen. PJ was seventeen. Seventeen. Mikey was eighteen. Thirteen weeks later. Yeah. He took his own life. I knew the day I buried PJ, I was losing Mikey. Sorry, <laughs> I knew I was losing him. How, how did you know? So it's just. PJ and Mikey had this bond. They were all, they 
born 13 months apart and they were always together even going out in about the same circle of friends and everything no matter where one was the other was and I, I remember looking at Mikey when we had buried Peach in that graveyard and he was devastated and I just felt I there was nothing I could do for him I tried to get him help you know he was 18 and I couldn't force him to go in anywhere force him to go to a doctor spoke to him at length about going but that day I will never forget his face and the heartache that was in it. Now I know the others were suffering too, but Mikey was suffering a lot, and he just couldn't cope with it, PJ. He couldn't live without him. Couldn't live without him. And I remember that Monday, I was actually at a funeral of a family friend that had committed suicide. Um, and I was out at that funeral, and I didn't leave my house. It was about four half four that Monday, and he was on top form. Literally top form. Now I knew he was he was having trouble sleeping and all this stuff that goes with grief. And but that day he was even out walking with his father in the yard, out fencing in the same field he was got in. Um and he came in and out to me and when he was going I says, I'm heading away now, I said, I'm going out to that funeral in our day. I said, I'll be back in a couple of hours. I said, If you need anything, ring me. I knew he'd be all right because I knew Mammy was there and Damien and she was out walking with his dad, Michael. And he says, oh, do be not bothering me. You go on, have a good time, you know. And I'd say to him, I love you, Mikey. Aye, that's the guy he'd rolled eyes. Aye, like this to me in the window. Will you go on? Like he, it was just, and he'd laugh. And I always remember the, the laugh he gave me in the window. And I went off and I was with family and the family friends and that. And then it wasn't until I was coming home, I was met with blue lights. I didn't even know when it had happened. Now, I had spoke to him at half eight that evening. He was at a football game in... I don't know if it was a Toker or Dunley or his best friend was playing football mm. and he went up to see him play football and you often wonder was it him going up just to say goodbye or something I don't know but um, he went up had his game and come home he was in bed my partner was at home and all his friends arrived at the door they were concerned about Mikey that he'd sent whatever message I don't know what it is to this day but they all arrived they came from Tannelstown Ardy and Toker um, which was lovely because he meant a lot to them. And Damien went and spoke with Mikey and, no, he felt fine. Would you call me at half six? Yes, it's my, uh, Damien. Um, he was starting a new job with Farm Relief. He was going to a farmer in Kilcurry uh, for milking. Um, yeah, Damien says, no bother, and I'll give you the lift down. That was about half eleven, twenty-five to twelve. And then about ten to twelve, my young son, Connor, which is known as Buki, came running in the back door with his friend that they needed help with Mikey, they were after finding Mikey. Now, bearing in mind, Bookie had already found Peter with me and now he found Mikey. His other brother. His, friend, yeah. his other brother. Yeah. And how did he end his life? He owned himself. As well? Yeah. Both of them? Both of them. Yeah. How are you, Patrice? I'd have hard days, very hard days. Of course you do. Of course you do. I'd do it and have them back. Just even for an hour. And the thoughts of Christmas without them, it's... Yes. I love Christmas, I always did. And I always sort of, not instilled it, but they loved Christmas too. And it just, this Christmas... You know, the youngest girl, Madison, she's putting up seven stockings. And you know them seven stockings aren't going to be filled. 
I find that hard. Yeah, very hard. Very, very hard. And, you know, you, you have to get on with it for, oh, for them yeah. and yeah. for yourself yeah. and your yeah. partner and the dad, their dad and everybody's yeah. affected by it. And there are no words. I don't know what to say to you. I don't know. I said to you, how you get up in the mornings and you get on with it. You're a powerful woman. A powerful woman indeed. It still just gets me. I'm not joking you. Every time I listen back to it, it just gets me there. The radio moment of the year, 2023, at the Imro Radio Awards on Friday night. Losing my boys to suicide on LMFM's late lunch. Dedicated to the memory of the boys, PJ and Mikey, and to their mother, Patrice. Yes, I've been in touch with Patrice, uh, who's away at the moment this morning, and uh, the people from SAFE as well. And uh, they're keen to come back and talk to us on the show at some stage in the future about the work that's going on, the great work in in regard to mental health. And tomorrow, of course, is World Mental Health Awareness Day. Thank you again. I, I just can't thank you enough for all of the comments and the flowing in here as we... Uh, speak to you today on the show just an example of uh, Jerry congratulations on the wonderful award you are so loved when I'm feeling down I put you on and your kindness and attitude towards everything you do is so uplifting that poor woman so sad what a great lady I remember the interview well Mary thank you for those lovely kind words as I said I got so many from late Friday right through the weekend I want to just read one, and this is no disrespect to everybody who's been in touch with me. Truly wonderful. I tried to get back to as many as I could, but this one came in from Professor Paul Moyner, a very good friend of ours. And Paul said to me, congratulations on the Imro Award last night. Thoroughly deserved, heartbreaking story told by an incredible mother who experienced unimaginable loss. Even with such loss, still driven to help others. So true, Paul. Uh, you were fantastic, Cherry. Empathetic and allowing the human story to be told. Everyone was moved, but these conversations are so important and will save others. Well done, Jerry, and a truly impactful service that can't be understated. Paul, that's from F- Professor Paul Miner. I thank you, Paul, for that lovely message and everybody again. Well, it's an emotional time and a song that comes to mind when something comes to your life like happened on Friday night is Miss Leona Lewis. Some people in life's 
X Factor winner Leona Lewis and a moment like this on your late lunch this afternoon I think the most appropriate song a very special song to me I have to say uh, just in the context of Safe Castle Bellingham can I remind you that they're having a fancy dress in the Parnell Bar in Stabannon next Saturday night the 14th uh, in aid of an amazing charity, Safe. There's a raffle, DJ on the night, prizes for best dress. Tickets are €10 Euros available at the Parnell Bar or from Patrice Matthews, Sandra Byrne or Bernie O'Mahony. Please do support. They are well, well worth supporting. They do fantastic fantastic work. Thanks again for all of your comments still coming into us on the show today. 086-1800-658 WhatsApp or text us if you want to say anything, make a comment, whatever you like to the show this afternoon. They're the numbers you need always for WhatsApp or text. Uh, Jerry says, Valerie, Valerie Ryan, just listening to your show, I remember that interview well with that amazing woman, Patrice. God, look after her and her family. Uh, and well done on your award. Keep up the great work. Thanks indeed for that. Jerry. I'm in bits listening to that. My heart goes out to that poor woman. The tears are tripping me again. Uh, well done on the award. Massive congratulations, uh, says another listener to us today on the award. Very, very well deserved. So many great moments and so much good comes from your show. Keep up the great work from a regular Culmullen listener to the show. Thank you so much. And so on they go from Babs and... Jackie and more people besides there. It's just wonderful to hear from you all today on the show. If you've had call to visit Our Lady of Lourdes Hospital, you may have come across my next guest because when you go in there, it can be a little bit, uh, you know, off-putting at times, a little bit awesome, especially if you haven't been there before. Where do I go? Where is my appointment? Where do I need to find somebody I'm looking for? Well, do you know that there are meet-and-greet volunteers at the hospital and they're looking for more volunteers. So I'm joined today by the man who coordinates it all, Martin Smith, and I have two volunteers with me as well, Dolores Murray and Marion Kieran. Welcome to the show, all of you. Thank you very much for joining me on Late Lunch today. Martin, I'll start with yourself. Would you believe this? I have a, somebody that works there, as you know, and I, I never knew about this until you contacted me. Tell us the whole history of it, when it started. OK, Jerry. Um, we carried out a survey in 2017 asking the public and the patients what they needed most in the hospital. And one of the criteria was, or one of the ideas they came up with was, was someone to show them around the hospital. Just like you said at the start, they were getting lost when they were coming in. We're a regional hospital now, as you know, we cover Cavan, Monaghan and way beyond and up towards Dublin and everything. So we people who arrived, they park in the car park, which is about five, six minutes away, depending on how mobile you are. And you're rushing trying to get to an outpatient's appointment. And when you get there, daunting, Small reception in front of you, lady run off her feet, and then you don't know where you have to go. So panic sets in. It's bad enough that you may not be well, but you don't know where you're going. So we got together anyway, and the idea was we'd run with a meet and greet volunteer programme. I was tasked with the job of putting it all together, as we never had it before. And uh, I found great people around to help me out. First off, senior management, Adrian Cleary, our director of nursing, was 100% behind it from the start, which makes things, as you know, so much easier when it's pushed from the top. So anyway, then I had to go about and just deal with the logistics of it. I had to find out where we could get volunteers from. So we went to Loud Volunteers. They were absolutely brilliant. They gave us a non-stop supply over the initial period. And uh, then we had to go doing the simple things like getting together lockers, um, organising food for the volunteers, picking a uniform so they have their nice black tops with meat and greet on them. So we supply them with two tops and a fleecy because you can get quite cold in the winter at the front door. And uh, 
that was it then. We advertised uh, through the, the local parish newspa- newsletters um, on the local radio and the leader and the independent. So all the local media got together and helped us out. So as I said, our initial uh, batch of volunteers, we had 40 originally. And they were from all backgrounds, all uh, races, all creeds, a great mix of people. Absolutely got. brilliant. We had, as you know, if Dolores here with us, Dolores has spent quite a number of years in the hospital. I worked with Dolores for a number of years. And uh, when they started this programme up, Dolores had already retired. And I said, ideal candidate and fair play to her. She got involved from the start and has been with us from day one. Marion, the same with us from day one but we had we had Nigerian we had from Ethiopia we had uh, from Monin <laughs> <laughs> great cross section a great cross section so the Monin people are never going to forgive you no they we they had a understand. great group no of but people. I understand yeah, fr- people came from everywhere and, and, and you had that now Covid intervened. Yeah, so I said you get up to 40 and the one thing I have to say can't leave out is on our launch a local man came to our aid to give us a big boost for the launch day, Gary Kelly. Yes. Fair play to him, Gary launched the forest. So we were well underway anyway, covering morning shifts, covering afternoon shifts, showing people around the place, then Covid hits. The nature of our volunteers, our cohort, quite a lot were older people. Yes. When COVID hit, they hadn't a clue what was going on. God loved them and they just backed off. They said, look, we have to look after our own. Understand. We could understand that. So we lost quite a number of people and then we were closed to the volunteers for quite a while. As you know yourself, the hospital was closed only for emergencies. And uh, then we opened up again and we got our volunteers back, but we'd lost quite a few. So we're down now to 15. Okay. We cover every morning and two afternoons, but we need to cover the rest of the afternoons and we need more bodies. Okay, so and that's why you're here today. So folks, listen up. If you'd like to do something worthwhile, if you have a few hours on your hand, volunteers required. Let me talk to uh, Dolores first and Dolores Murray. Dolores, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for joining me today. You worked, of course, in the hospital for years. how many hours do you have to give this or do you give this? In I, I uh, go into a Wednesday from um, from nine o'clock until one o'clock. And if anybody rings in, say, you know what I mean, they get sick or they can't do it, one of us, either me or somebody else, will uh, just put her in the app saying that, you know what I mean, I'll do it for you, you mm. know. So we're never really short, you know what I mean? Yes. Unless... Um, a whole lot of us go sick at the one time. <laughs> Which won't happen. I hope but, not. But here's the thing. You worked in the hospital for years yeah. and you're familiar with the place and yes. back you come. How do you find it now doing something different? How do you find this? I love doing it. Do you? Yeah, I love Why? Doing what do you it. get out of it? Oh, the sense of uh, meeting the patient coming in and if they're going for a procedure or a scope or something like that. And I'm sure they're nervous, you know. So I think it leaves them at ease when they see the smiling face of the volunteer at the front door. So that's You right. are made for it because you were there for so long yourself yeah, and you know yeah. all about it. But it is true because now the size of the place, as I mentioned at the beginning, yeah. and Martin agreed, yeah. it's awesome. You know, yeah. when you go there for the first yeah. time, you're not sure. You can see the difference you make, yeah, I take yeah, it, to yeah. people. Well, if somebody comes in, you don't even know where X-ray is. And there are just that many corridors now, you know, mm. or for a blood test or physio endoscopy or uh, uh, UTI, you know what I mean? Whatever. Yeah, whatever. whatever. And you're right, and it is true. How can any one reception desk, you know, cope with the numbers that are coming in there at any one time? 
Do you love it? I love it, yeah. You love it. Let's bring in another of the volunteers who's with us today on the show. Marion Kieran, welcome to uh, Late Thanks, Lunch. Jerry. Did you work in the hospital yourself? A, very, a long, long time ago, when I left school first, uh, when I was 17 years of age, I right. went to work there. And that's what, over 50 years. <laughs> it's a few years 50 ago. 50 years ago, it's a few 50 years plus ago. So you had experience ago. going way back, but this is <laughs> yeah. new to you as well, coming yeah. back here. How did you get involved? Why did you decide to take um, part as it? Well, sometime, at one point I saw an ad in the paper and I was out walking one day and as I was coming up Bolton Street, I said, you know something, Marion, you have nothing better to do today. Go into the volunteer centre and I told them that I'd like to do something because I had been doing literacy before that but I wanted to get involved with something that involved a lot of people Mm. and they said this was happening I said fine and I was only home about a half an hour when certain people rang Martin (laughs) to say that they were doing an induction course the following day so I turned up and as they say the rest is history. God how long are you how long are you there now? Uh, It's five years. years, Yeah Yeah, five years involved and and again for you what does it do for you in your life you know you're retired from formal work yes yeah so you had time in your hands I had yeah I always liked the idea of volunteering anyway Hmm. but I this time round I wanted one with people and um, like Dolores I love it too and I've met loads of people I've even made friends with some people Um, like there's one in particular I won't go into detail but it was a funny experience and just kind of mushroomed. Like we're not like close buddies or anything mm. like that, but we became very friendly out of it. And it's the fabulous stories even you get told. You get sad stories, funny stories. One you think it would have been best if you'd never heard it all. Mm. And um, it, as once again, as Dolores said, people coming in just looking for the basic information. They'd even go up to where a place used to be and they say, oh God, it's moved. And I said, yeah, that's four years ago it moved, you know. Yes. So it like creatures of habit. Yeah. So it's kind of about that and the chit chat you have. And it, 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 yeah, it's just fun. Mm. How many hours do you give it? I do um, eight a week. I do um, Tuesday morning from nine to one and Friday morning. Good on nine you. To one. And like Dolores, if somebody can't turn up, you're in there I will step in well. if, you know, subject to being av- available. That's a fantastic commitment, I have to you say. Know, Really, really is. You five know. years on, Jerry. Yeah. yeah, like, you know, that's true, Martin. You know what I mean? You're, you're talking about a, a five year and, and, and this is going to continue for you. You love it so much. Mm. There's no yeah, well, one... Martin knows I'd walk over hot coals uh-huh. for him, so it's okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> Jerry, I have to, I have to say, um, in 25 years in the hospital, the, the nicest group of people I've ever had the pleasure of managing, they are just, they love what they do. Mm. Um, and it's just such a pleasure having them there. They cover for each other. Nothing's out like she's they're saying they start at nine o'clock, they're in at half eight, half the time. Yeah. They don't leave at one o'clock, <laughs> they don't leave till half one. You know, they they do what whatever's necessary. They go way over uh, above and beyond. And I said, Yeah, I can't praise them enough. They're brilliant. Do you people. hear the other side? Do you because it's important, you know, that you hear what you know they mean, your volunteers mean to the people who arrive at hospital. You get much feedback from we people. We do, we do, and it's absolutely marvellous. Um we regularly get testimonials of and they, they never mention anybody by name, but they'll say the lady that was on on Wednesday morning at nine o'clock or they'll say the gentleman that was on and so on. So uh, they have gotten, Dolores has gotten flowers, Marion's gotten chocolates, um, Valentine's Day. Ooh, people tell came me in, more. People tell came me more. in and handed out single roses Love to it. some of the volunteers who were on. And uh, they, they do. We get a marvellous feedback and 
the good thing about it is on a lot of occasions it's gone to the to the GM, which is very nice that she yeah. at the time, Fiona Brady was aware, Adrian knows about it. Um, and But the big thing, apart from the people who use it, the other side to it is the staff, when it started initially, were kind of a bit apprehensive, mm. unsure of what was happening. But then all of a sudden they realised it was the best thing that ever happened. Because if you're a member of staff in the Lady of Lords and you're working, walking along the ground floor, heading to the coffee shop to get yourself a sandwich at 10 o'clock for your break, between there and the coffee shop, you'll be stopped 20 times. Where's this? Where's that? And you will go off and you'll direct the person to where it is. But now we have our volunteers. So the staff love the volunteers. And during the period of COVID when they weren't there, they were greeted at open arms when they came back. Yes. So. And I can imagine the other thing from a staff point of view and a clinic point of view and all the various areas. Isn't it great to have it streamlined that people aren't wandering around here or there, being late for appointments, missing yeah. times and that they're in there as appointed? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it works. It really works well for the whole hospital. Mm. It does. Any, any, any stories you have? Marion wouldn't come forward with our story. Have you any stories to tell me, uh, Dolores Murray? She must have. Are you keeping that for the book you're going to write? For the book. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, just, it's just fabulous. Yes. Fabulous. You know what I mean? I, I love doing it. I just love meeting mm. people. And has it, you know, when this is another point to make, when you retire from work, you've a lot of time in your hands, you know what I mean? And they say that it's the worst thing that if you have too much and you don't have anything to do. Do you find that fills a gap for you, Dolores? It does. It fills the Wednesday morning for me. Or if I'm free any other time, I'll go in, you know what I mean? I give a dig out, you know? Mm. Great. It, yeah. it, it, like to me, when I hear about this and heard about it, it's it, it's a win win for everybody all around. So here's the thing. You've sold it. You've sold it for sure. I'm sure to many people listening today. Let me ask you this. Yes, sir. Um, age wise, can anybody volunteer? Right. Can I go, go yeah. quick criteria? Yes, please. With you? Simple situation is anyone from 18 to 80 can volunteer. You do need to be very mobile because you're going to spend your day, you'll definitely get your 10,000 steps up on any one particular day. Another benefit? The positive side to is, from our point of view, they're volunteers, and unfortunately, they do everything in the hospital that we do, but they don't get paid. Mm. <laughs> and that's how it is. Now, we supply training for them, so they get in-house training, they do online training, they're brought in tours of the hospital, so they're fully aware of the layer of the hospital. New volunteers coming in will never be left on their own, they're always put with one of our senior, senior volunteers until they are comfortable in the hospital itself. And as I said at the start, we provide them with a the uniform, they're clearly identifiable, and while they're there, they can get their food at, at lunchtime and at coffee time in the cafeteria, that's free of charge. We were, they can use the car park, the main car park, also free of charge on the days that they're at work. Um, and as I said, they don't kick off until they're fully trained. So yeah. they have nothing to worry about. They'll never be pushed into the deep And that's end. important to know. So 18 to 80, vetted, is there vetting involved? Gar- wait, so guard vetting, most important, takes roughly two weeks. So people need to understand it's not done very rapidly. Yes. Because of the nature of the industry that we work in, we must make sure everything is correct and, and uh, all the dots and everything are marked. Um, they get the full training, as I said then. We do in-house training, online training. It takes roughly a month to five weeks okay. from the initial day that they come in and we have the meeting until they're ready to go. Do you have to commit to a certain amount of hours minimum? Right. We, one shift, naturally. So they commit to one shift a week. Now Four I hours? Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. the minimum required. Absolutely. But you can do two as exactly. others are doing. And they can do one a fortnight. Yeah. It depends on what their, yeah. their situation so that's flexible. is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's flexible uh, well. And the main thing there is we're looking for people for afternoons. 
if they if they could cover some afternoons Monday to Friday. Yeah. And their afternoon shift is one to five. Yeah. Okay. Great. Now, how do people get their names to you if they're listening today and they tweak something with them and they want to find out more? Okay. Well, they can contact me on 085 74 39 448 or email me on martinp.smith, S-M-I-T-H, at hse.ie. That's great. Or ring main switch in the hospital and they'll put you through anyway. Okay, you can call the hospital itself. So that's Martin's number 0857439448, martinp.smith at hse.ie or call the main hospital number 0419876400. 370 or 3760. And Jerry, the other thing I'd like to say is on Saturday the 28th from 2 to 4pm, we're having an open day for anyone who'd like to volunteer. It's in St. Teresa's residence, the old nurse's res, beside a Lady of Lords Church. We'll have a number of the volunteers there. They'll be able to sit and chat with the volunteers, have a cup of tea and see if it's suitable for them. Can do no more than that for you. It's well worthwhile. You heard from the girls. It's something that they love in their lives. Marion said she'd walk over coals to get to work every day. So I think that's the biggest endorsement you could give it. Look, great work from the volunteers. Thank you for joining me today. Marion Kieran, Dolores Murray and Martin Smith. Thank thanks a Jerry, thanks very much. Seal 1994 into 95 it was actually 95 it made its big impact on the charts number 4 in the UK a big number 1 in the USA his biggest hit for sure just to let you know as well that LMFM's country concert featuring the Conquerors Jimmy Buckley Jerry Guthrie Brendan Shine Mary Duff Robert Mazel and uh, of course to be compared by LMFM's own Darren Mahan in the TLT on Monday November the 6th is totally sold out. Every seat is gone. And thank you to everyone who bought tickets. And we look forward to welcoming you all to the TLT on the big night on the 6th of November. Country is big. It really, really is. What a weekend of sport we had. Oh, Ireland in the rugby. It was over at halftime against the Scots, wasn't it? It really was. We have injuries. I worry about that. I worry about the resurgence of the All Blacks. I don't have a good feeling for the quarterfinal. I hope I'm wrong. I sincerely hope I'm wrong. I hope we beat them. If we beat them, then who knows? But it's going to be some match next weekend. The Gunners beat Man City at last. It wasn't a great game, was it? But the win is the important thing. At long last, Arsenal get by City and win three points and top the league along with neighbours Tottenham Hotspur. Well done to the Gooners. And what about on a local level? Such a weekend for so many clubs in uh, Gaelic games. And loud Glyde at long last winning the Junior Football Championship. Well done to all down Talonstown Way. Roach Emmett's picking up the intermediate title against my alma mater, the O'Rahillies, by a point. But well done, Roach. It's been a long time for them too. And over in Meath, well, Kilbride again after years. What is it? 62 years. Kilbride wins the junior Rat Kenny pipping to league Bellystown all oh, the heartbroken into league Bellystown by a point after extra time Rat Kenny get the title the intermediate there and Summerhill at last land the senior well 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 it was long overdue they've had shocking disappointments in finals and it just shows you if you keep at it it'll happen eventually but well done to all and more besides who had great weekends on the sporting front now did you know that Thursday of uh, this week the 19th 
sorry not of this week of next week Thursday the 19th of October uh, that's next week is National Women's Enterprise Day and we're going to look ahead to that day in the company of two wonderful women Miriam Simon and Caroline Duffy are with me next thank you for all your lovely comments I'll be back to them in a while on the show but as I mentioned Thursday week the 19th of October is National Women's Enterprise Day and with this in mind the local enterprise offices in Mead are joining forces to provide local women with a brilliant opportunity to learn, network and grow their businesses. Whether you're already running a business or just thinking about it, this event is for female entrepreneurs and it's not to be missed. And I'm delighted to say I'm joined in studio today by an entrepreneur, Caroline Duffy, who launched her own design label in 2021 and has been taking the world by storm ever since. And back with me. I just love her. She's the business strategist par excellence. She's fantastic. Miriam Simon, she's going to host this year's National Women's Enterprise Day event. Ladies, it's great to have you with me in the studio. Thank you for joining me. Great to see you you both. Caroline, if I could start with yourself. You know, for you, you went along for 20 years successfully working for others, etc. And then you decided to take the plunge and go your own way. Tell me a bit about that, you know, how that happened and what that was like. Yeah, I did. Um, I just I, I just felt it was in my heart and it was just time to really work on my own design work. Like, as you said, I was um, designing in the textile industry for 20 years, loved working for other brands, mm. got great experience, you know, worked around the world in my 20s and came home and settled. I'm from Drogheda originally, but settled in Dundalk and... And then I had my family, you know, and it was great to be able to still work and freelance for design work. So I still felt I was creative, but bring up my family as well, Mm. have my home studio and be there. So, and you know, and I had three kids and they were very close together. So now they're not so much babies anymore. And and I just felt this is about time now that I really wanted to create for myself what was in my heart and bring that. So what is your business? Tell listeners, what do you do? Yeah, well, I'm an artist and designer. Yes. So first of all, I love painting original art and I love painting flowers. So if anybody knows me, it's always from nature. And then that's original art for your walls or else I print it onto silk and that's made into scarves, dresses, kimonos, blankets. Um, you know, it can be endless. <laughs> I've seen what you yeah. do. It's amazing. I oh, have thank to say. you, Jerry. And even you. today, Miriam will verify, like what you're wearing here today is simply fa- yeah. fabulous as well. But mm-hmm. what's it like, you know, making that step, you know, from, as you said, you know, working for others yeah. and now. Yeah, well, it's it is it is pretty scary. So I'd say I was thinking about it for a few years before I actually went and and took the leap. But the local enterprise office were amazing. I've done a start your own business course with them and they, you know, they fill you with so much empowerment and encouragement and, you know, bring you along the way. So you're doing it in steps. So it doesn't actually feel that hard. Mm. You know, you start to think about it. Well, put a plan in place, you know, and it's over months and over years that you you develop it. So, um, yeah. You mentioned the fear, but... What would you say if you were to say one thing? There are many challenges, of course, there are. There are days you think, oh, my God, and other days you're buzzing. If you were to say one particular thing that you found the biggest challenge for you. Well, I don't know the biggest challenge, but it was like my husband would verify this. It's like, are you going to make any money? You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) It's like leaving a very, very stable job of loads of freelance work, design coming my way, endless amounts of work. And he's going, you know, are you actually going to be able to make it? So... 
I just did it. You just have to just try. And I think when you feel it in your heart that it's right, you know, you shouldn't let fear cripple you because fear can be absolutely crippling. It can stop you in your tracks. You just kind of have to jump over that gate Mm. and just see what's on the other side. You see, I know what you're saying because I left a corporate job well paid to take a chance in this business. And I had the same questions for my other half to say, (laughs) oh, my God, what have we done? What have you done? You know what I mean? But you got it. The belief in yourself, you yeah. gotta keep got what you have yeah. done, and it sustains you. You know yeah, what I mean? And it yeah. You along. And the other thing as well, a lot of people feel that they need to know everything. Like I didn't know everything about starting my own business, mm. and if you wait around till you know everything, you won't be able to do anything. You know, you'll you'll never take yeah. that challenge. So you can upskill along the way. Yes. You know, you can always learn. Oh, what do I need to do now? Oh, I need to learn more about accounts. Like this year, yeah. I've really, you know, d- dived deep into the financial end of it. Mm. You know, to get that, you know, on par. Um, and next year there could be something else that I'm going to learn as well. So every day is a school day. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and you just keep going with That's it. That's a good way to approach. Yeah. I say that as well. I learn something every single day. Miriam yeah. Simon, it's great to see you again. Great to have you back with us on the show. It's been two long. You are the host for National Women's Enterprise Day. What can we expect? Um, Oh gosh, lots of inspiration, information, networking, lots of support and advice. The theme this year is empowering business together. So we're going to be talking about lots of exciting things. Cognitive divergence, there's a big word for you. We're going to be talking about collaboration and how that leads to success. And uh, we've got some fantastic speakers. We have Karina Cunningham from um, MD of Rock Farm in Slane. Wonderful. We have uh, the wonderful Cathy O'Connor, the fashion extraordinaire and stylist, as well as Caroline with us. So we've got a fantastic lineup. Um, it's going to be a really cracking morning. Why are these events for women in particular important? I think um, a, a very, very important. It's very important to network. It's very important to learn from each other. And um, as the theme goes, it is all about empowering business together. Quite often we can be off in our own silos and um, particularly um, SME businesses who have started up. So really important that we learn together. As as Caroline said, every day is a school day. The Enterprise offices, Caroline uh, has said already about her local one, how important that was to her. And I I know this myself. Um, In terms of the work they do, for example, where do they offer support? I I actually don't think everybody realises just how much support is available. Um, Huge support available in your local enterprise office. And I would urge anybody who is in business to to go and speak to their LEO. Um, You can get everything from digital grants to green grants to support and mentoring. They'll help you get your business started in the first place. And the enterprise offices now can um, support businesses with as many as 50 employees. So anything from a sole trader right up to um, 50 employees. Employees. So there's huge amount of support and advice and, uh, you know, they have access to, you know, if they don't know um, the area that you need, they will know somebody that does. And if I only have an idea, say I'm listening to us today and I, I believe, Miriam, that I have the nib, whatever you like to call it, of uh, an idea, a little, even a seed, yeah. let me call it a seed of an idea. And I think this will work. You should, I, go to- you should. You should go to your local enterprise office. They have. Um, they will help you tease it out. You, they have start your own business courses. They have training, mentoring, management development programs. You name it, it, it is there. So they will help you um, eke out and see how, how effective your idea is and help you bring it to fruition. So this day, you're going to have all sorts along on this day. You said from quite a, a large 
perhaps can we enlarge in the context of yeah. numbers from a local level down to the individual and a Absolutely. couple of employees all will be there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Business is business, do you know? Uh, you know, business is business. So all sizes of business are very welcome. There are very limited places. So if you're looking to get a seat, um, it is at the Monaster Boys Inn. So you know you're going to get well fed too. So book quickly. And how do people book? Um, if you go on to your local enterprise office, there is a link there. Or if you look to either Caroline's social media <laughs> yes. or my social media, you'll see it there also. Yeah, the links are there also. But the local enterprise office, the Lo- link is that's there. That's your number one spot. That's the place. And yeah. and it is true. Uh, this will sell out uh, very quickly. Uh, you, there won't be places available. If you miss out, you're, you're going to miss out this time around. It's only €25 Euro, and that includes the wonderful food, yeah. as Miriam said there, at the Monaster Boys Inn. From the last time we spoke, which is a while ago now, yeah. and pandemic was raging and you yeah. were very good to us, very good to business with all the advice. Has it emerged fully in terms of business from that time? How do so, you feel about it? So so, <laughs> so we came out of the pandemic and I think we had about two or three months of things were beginning to boom and then Ukraine... <laughs> So we're we're still in an uncertain time and, and that's why it's even more important that businesses work together and collaborate and uh, you know they you know what is it the saying is a rising tide lifts all boats. Yes. But so true like you come out of one crisis and then a war and you see what's happening even in the Middle East this week another instability which Absolutely. feeds into all of us Absolutely. It? Well it feeds into how everybody feels and 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 it cr- creates a level of angst in business. But to be honest you know it's all about seeking opportunity because it doesn't matter what's going on there is always opportunity mm. and uh, the the more you can network with others the the more likely you are to see that quite often if you're in that fear or panic mode you can become a little bit inside and that's that's when you get into difficulty so Mm. Um, it's it's all about you know liaising with other businesses and uh, there's plenty of opportunity. Plenty. Of Caroline, opportunity. will you just give details of where people can check out you and what you do? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, my business is Caroline Duffy Designs. So you search, you'll get the website there or on Instagram. Love Instagram. I'm always there every day. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's now part of my business days. So I love that connection with people there on social media. You know, when you work for yourself, it's lovely to reach out as well. So, yeah. H- how important is that to you as an individual, an individual business that's just you? How important is the social media aspect in, you know, it's, getting new business? It's really, really important. You know, and some people could be, can be afraid that they have their own business. Or, you know, how am I going to sell? You know, I have my website there. But you really have to show up. You really have to show up, show people who you are, you know, and the authentic, the authentic version of you. And yeah, it's a lot of my business. So I schedule in and I, you know, half an hour to an hour every day. And that's part of my day. It's no good yeah. doing it today and forgetting about it for a week or, or that. No. You, your consistency is the thing. That's yeah, what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you build up. You build up to that. You can't just go straight in and do uh, every day. You know, you learn as you go. You go easy on yourself as well. Don't be looking what everybody else is doing and going, I have to do this and that. You just go at your own pace. That's what I did. And I'm still just going at my own pace. And But I'm in the rhythm of it now. This is what I do. My customers find me here. They buy from me. They go onto my website. You know, I can let them know very, very quickly what's going on in my business. Immediately, they know what I'm doing. And it creates a lovely connection. Would you say that's one of the most important aspects of business for you? 
now that you emphasise that to me today. Yes, because I work for myself, you know, and I work for my lovely studio in my home in Dundalk and it helps me connect to a wider audience, whether it's other business owners, um, other people that want to stock my work, um, other artists that just like the work and they want to connect because they're at home working as well. You know, so there's loads of facets that um, social media is amazing for. Yeah. Where do you draw your inspiration from for these wonderful designs? Oh, well, this goes back years. So I'm 45 years of age now. I'd say right back till I was two and three and I was brought up in Harmony Heights in Drogheda. My dad is an amazing gardener and my mum is so creative. We used to sit for hours drawing. So between my mum showing me how to draw and then my dad always in the garden. That's where I started. What's yeah. your mum and dad's name? Who are they? Tell us. Oh. <laughs> well, they're Duffy's as well. Aidan and Trey's Duffy. Lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'd be, yeah, be delighted. They'd be delighted to get a mention. Yeah, I think Harmony Heights is always winning um, tidy estates awards oh, and everything. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing: you wouldn't spill a blade of grass down there. They'd no. be on your back. They love it so much. But it 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 shows. Yeah. It shows. It is a lovely, lovely place. Yeah. And yeah. on that theme of gardening. Do you plant trees when you make sales? Did I see oh, that somewhere? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell so, them about that. This is very interesting. Yeah, well, it's 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 something that I just wanted to do to give back, you know, because you're using so many different materials, whether it's your packaging, you know, you're using raw materials and you're always trying to be wary of where everything is coming from and kind to the earth. So there's a wonderful organisation, Trees for the Future, and they help um, plant more forests, reforest. So for every order I receive, I plant a tree. So then I, I, I'm able to make payments to that um, organisation for every order I get. At the end of the month, I add up how many orders I have and make payments. And everybody's planting a tree. I love, yeah. I love this. Where, where do you plant them? Oh, they're all, all over the world, actually. I yeah, see. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I know. It's the yes. organisation. The organisation does it. Here was I'm I not thinking, up on the oh, coolie. Yeah. Ma- no, I'm not up on the mountain planting <laughs> at the weekend, Jerry. Uh, yeah. not? Here I was thinking you owned half the coolie. <laughs> what yeah. was I thinking? <laughs> My own May little, uh, it's, it's called the Duffy Forest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's lovely. I yeah. really do like it. Yeah. I think it's a fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And it just shows you, you know, uh, Miriam, today, you know, people are conscious about the environment. And Caroline is as a businesswoman. It's a big mm. aspect of business too, uh, isn't it? Absolutely. Mm. Not not just the environmental thing, but also as Caroline was talking, mm. there's there's post pandemic um Business is about trust now more than ever, and it's about authenticity more than ever. So, uh, you know, um, putting up products blindly is it doesn't cut it anymore. You know, mm. you're as customers and consumers, we all know when we're being sold to. So we want to believe in the people that we're speaking to. Mm. So, uh, mm. yeah, it's uh, authenticity is huge. So mm-hmm. uh, absolutely. And uh, sustainability. We are on the crest of a wave that is going to become even bigger a deal as the as the years continue here. What about the budget tomorrow? I bet I can't let you go today with you being oh, here in budget day no. tomorrow. Can it make, can it, you know, yeah. I often say they move the deck chairs, but there seems to be quite a bit of money and yeah. business as well, you know, are, yeah. are looking for a, a piece of the cake tomorrow. Can a budget really make a difference? I, I, do you know, I, I'm, it, it can make a difference in giving people a bit of confidence and, and letting people relax a little bit. You know, um, business has been tough. Uh, uh, cross-sector business has been tough but we had a really scary July you know it's been warmer the first few days of October than it was in July so July was very very tough across many many sectors and I I think um, 
the budget could give a little bit of confidence because there is, you know, in Ireland, we have more money in Irish banks today than we have ever had in the history of Ireland. So this isn't that we, we you know, we don't want to go out and spend and enjoy life. We're all a little bit afraid at the moment. Mm. So the budget can do an awful lot to, to ease that for people. Yeah. So let's see what it brings. I mean, yeah. they normally drip feed it. So you know yourself, the day is only yeah. a formality. They have us conditioned before yeah. they actually make the announcements. Yeah. Anyway, what a day is in store on Thursday, the 19th of October, National Women's Enterprise Day. The Monaster Boys in. You can book your spot through the local enterprise offices lower than Mead now. It's filling up fast, so get cracking on it immediately. If you've a seed of an idea, if you're on the road, if you're well-developed in business and you're a woman entrepreneur out there, this is for you. Wonderful food, wonderful guest speakers and the hostess with the mostess, Miriam <laughs> Simon, for today. Thank you, ladies, for joining me on the show. Caroline Duffy, wish you well. And Miriam Simon, thanks a million. Ah, thank you. Thank you so much. Miley Cyrus on your late lunch this Monday afternoon. This beautiful Monday afternoon at the uh, start of October. It's relatively the start, isn't it, at the moment? Yes, it is. The early part of the month. What a year it's been for Miley Cyrus. Oh, my word. Massive number one. The biggest number one of the year. And now that one to follow up. She is such a talent. I think I remember telling you some time ago, I remember seeing her on with uh, Jimmy Fallon on his show. Well, she just took the house down uh, that night. She really, really did. She's a super talent. And no surprise, she's uh, rocking up top of the charts again with that one there. Yes, Miley Cyrus on late lunch. I really do love her. Um we're going to be talking in a wee while about the Jimmy Savile documentary called The Reckoning. It's going out on BBC tonight and tomorrow night and again next week on Monday and Tuesday. And Steve Coogan, oh, what can you say about the man? I've seen extracts from it. It's uncanny how he looks like Savile. And they had to bring him back and do him up. Savile in his early 20s to his late 20s as well. Uh, we're talking about it here in Late Lunch after three with the wonderful Shane Dunphy. Shane is a very good friend of ours. He himself is an abusive survivor and childcare expert. And I was keen to find out what his view is on the screening of this. There's been a lot of talk about it. Should it be, be screened in the first place? question I will put to him. Anyway, it's on tonight on BBC. I will be watching because Savile... God, when it came out, what happened with him? I couldn't believe it. You could have knocked me over with a straw because everyone wanted a badge, didn't they? Yeah, Jim fixed it for me. We were all Jim'll fix it fans and the good that he did and all the joy he brought to people, the money he raised for charity, how he loved his mother. And yet he was the devil incarnate. And we didn't know it until after he died. Incredibly, was interred in a cemetery. They had to dig him up, dig his coffin up, and no one knows where his body ever is or ever will be. But uh, anyway, the BBC are uh, airing The Reckoning tonight. Uh, don't miss it. it. I'm sure it'll be well worth watching with Steve Coogan in the starring role. Also, the weekend, we are have another war on our hands, don't we, in the Middle East? Yes, we do. Shocking. It's just shocking. And who knows where that will go. What a world we live in. Anyway, the world of late lunch continues after news, sport and weather at three. Five, four, three, two, one. Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear. And today it's... The number five from this very week in 1979. And the song was written by Rick Parfit and Andy Brown. You know those guys? Yes, the crowd called Status Quo and released on the album of the very same name. 
In the United Kingdom, the song reached number four, which is the charts we look at each week here. So it went one place higher than today. It's been used in many advertising campaigns by the likes of Argus here in Ireland, the gift voucher shop, which sells those one-for-all gift vouchers, as well being the theme tune to an ill-fated Saturday night TV show of the same name as the song presented by Gabby Rosalind. It's associated with football. The Finnish club HIFK use it as their opening song. It was also used in Germany by Schalke 04 as the song for their home matches up until 2015. And not to be outdone in the Dutch league, Vitesse used the song as their opening song for many years too. Yes, it's status quo number five from this week in 1979 and a classic. It's called... Whatever you want. Status quo. Our number five in our top five countdown from this week in 1979. And of course, I'll bring you the 4321 over the coming days here on the show round about this time. One of Quo's biggest hits and a very popular one indeed. They were some band, weren't they, for their time? They were. They had a rake of great songs. They're very simple. Very simple songs as well, but everybody loved them. Come back to where I started again. Thank you to everybody who's been sending us good wishes today on the Imro Gold Award win for Radio Moment of the Year. I thank you all. I appreciate all your comments. Thanks so much for thinking of us and sending us those lovely, lovely words. Louise and I are simply delighted. She's not with me today. She'll be back here tomorrow. Brian Farley's with me. Thanks, Brian. He's always... Great to uh, step in the breach and do what he does. Really appreciate it, Brian. Thanks indeed. Now, our final break of the day on the way. And as I mentioned, tonight on BBC, Jimmy Savile laid bare for sure in the new documentary starring Steve Coogan. And up next, I'm chatting to Shane Dunphy. Tonight on BBC One, folks, I want to draw your attention to a show that's going out over four parts. Tonight, tomorrow night and again next Monday and Tuesday. It's called The Reckoning and it's about the evil Jimmy Savile. I can't wait to see it myself and I have to say he was a hero of mine when I was a child growing up. All I wanted was a Jim will fix it badge. But when news emerged after his death of what he was, I actually puked, I have to say. We're going to talk about it for the next while with a very good friend of ours. He's a lecturer, author, dad, granddad, musician, all round good guy. But most importantly, he's worked in child protection for years and he is an abuse survivor himself. I'm delighted to say hello again today to Shane Dunphy. Shane, thank you for joining me. Hi, Jerry. How are you keeping? It's it's interesting just listening to you talking there about Jimmy Savile. I mean, I, I grew up in the... Um, I mean, I was born in 1973. So, I mean, during the 70s and early 80s when that show, Jim Will Fix It, was, was, was a, a staple of um, tea time television at the at the weekends. I mean, myself and my little brother, we were exactly like you. I mean, all we wanted was a, a, a Jim will fix it badge. And I, I mean, that show was so iconic. I remember growing up thinking that his name was Jim will fix it. We used to talk about Jim will, you know, we'd write our, our letters to him, dear Jim will, would you fix it for me to do whatever? And almost having your your dream come true which is what that show was all about i mean it was such a big deal and and 
I remember actually using that program as an example of childhood wish fulfillment in my first book, When's This Child?, which is about child protection. I mean, it's, it's shameful to, to, to say that, but it was before all of the revelations had come out. And um, I have this scene in the book where I'm talking to a psychologist and we're kind of saying, you know, what does this child need? And in, in, in the, the, the story that I'm recounting, the psychologist says, you know, do you remember Jim will fix it on the TV, you know, well, if we could fix it for this child, what would we do? And so I actually even use it as an example of two people of a similar vintage discussing making kids' dreams come true. And he was such an individual. I, rem- I remember at the time thinking that he, he must be genuine. He must really want to make these kids happy because he was so weird. Um, you know, the, the weird haircut, the ever-present cigar, the, the, the track suits, the bling, you know, he had all of the rings and everything. And he just struck me at the time, I, rem- I remember thinking, okay, he seems so incongruous. But he doesn't care. This is, he's obviously just kind of this lovable eccentric. And then just like yourself, when word came out about what he was, you know, I remember just being devastated. I mean, it just seemed that all of... Uh, uh, everything you thought you knew, yeah, yeah, just t- turned on its head. Turned on its head. Totally turned and, on its head, Shane. And I, I couldn't agree with you more. We were just... The rug was pulled from under us. And you mentioned what he was, his care for his late mother, the charity work he did, everything. He seemed to be the, the, the dream ticket of a good guy. But, Shane, I have to ask you this. This is the big question today. Should a drama like this be made? Many people question the making of this. What do you say to that? I say it absolutely 100% should. Uh, The reason for this is, I mean, I would never want to dredge up the pain for the survivors. And of course, many, many, many of of, of Jimmy Savile's survivors are are still alive. Um, I mean, thank goodness that they are. Uh, And of course, this is going to be very, very painful viewing for them. The reason I believe that, that series like this should be made is because we need to continue the conversation. The reason that this man was able to do the things that he did, including having free access to roam the corridors of a children's hospital, in the UK because he was a major fundraiser for it. They even gave him a room so that he could sleep there at night. The blindness that people had to what he was doing, and apparently he wasn't all that discreet. Um, Apparently, I mean, a lot of people knew what was going on, but because of the fact that he was in such a position of power, people turned a blind eye. And this needs to be driven home. The conversation needs to continue. We cannot brush this under the carpet and think that this was just a product of its time. We need to accept that where there is power, it's going to attract people for all the wrong reasons. And we need to make sure that vulnerable individuals are protected from that. So yes, this is going to be uncomfortable and painful viewing. Um, I believe I've seen some clips of, of Steve Coogan's performance as Jimmy Savile, and it's uncanny. Uh, it, gave, it gave me shivers. You know, I just thought, wow, he just manages to capture, you know, that, that oddness that was there that we now all realise was a, a sign of what was really going on. Um, it's it's going to be uncomfortable, but we need 
to, to, to keep looking at it. We, we, we need to keep our eyes open and we need to accept that, yes, this was a dark period of our history and we need to make sure that things like this never, ever, ever happen again. I, I agree with you. Uh, Coogan is magnificent. Uncanny is exactly the word. I can't wait to see the whole thing and I've seen clips like yourself. But just yeah. come back to that before we finish on this topic and we may come back to it when we see the whole lot with you a little later on in a couple of weeks' time. Absolutely, um, yeah, I'd love to. If yeah. you wouldn't mind. But you, you, you say there that it would never happen again and you say about people in positions of power and there are people in positions of power all the time. Do, do programmes like this and the all, all of the outing of what happened even in this country when it comes to abuse still don't guarantee that this couldn't happen again? No, they don't guarantee. There can never be a guarantee. I mean, one of the first things that you're taught when you're training to be a child protection worker is you never tell a child you know, this is never going to happen again because it might. It might. You can, you can never guarantee that. However, um, we all need to be optimistic. We all need to believe, you know, I wouldn't do the work that I do, Jerry, if I didn't believe that the world could change. And I think that the more people are aware, the more people are open to the fact that this kind of thing can and does happen, the more people are empowered with the knowledge that this is wrong and that it doesn't matter how powerful somebody is. It doesn't matter what position they're in. It doesn't matter how many zeros they have at the end of their, the end of their bank balance. Nobody, no matter who they are, should do this to children and vulnerable people. And that every single one of us have the capacity to, to call a halt to it, to say no, to, to, to say stop and to tell people in authority so that they can actually do something about it. And while that dialogue is continuing and while we're being made aware of this and while we are shining a light into these dark corners of our society and dark corners of our history, every time we do that, we're empowering people to to understand that every single one of us has the capacity to prevent things like this from happening so long as we're strong enough to stand up and say, yes, I agree, this is wrong and that we're prepared to go and tell someone about it. That's why these shows are important. Yes, it's tonight, The Reckoning Part 1, BBC One and again tomorrow night and then next Monday and Tuesday it's a four-part series and uh, as Shane mentioned a moment ago there, we think of all the people who were abused by Saville and abused by anybody in life. Watching this may be very, very difficult. Shane Dunphy, you're always great to us. Talk to you again soon and I promise you we'll come back to this when we get a good chance to look at this over the next couple of weeks. I look forward to chatting with you about it. Thanks a million, Jerry. Take care. That's uh, almost a lot on late lunch for today. I just see and heard in our own news there that Drogheda United fans are to be banned from the Shamrock Rovers game because of what happened in Dundalk a couple of weeks ago. I'll just ask the FAI this question. When Drogheda played Bohemians in Dalymount Park very recently, the game was stopped for 10 minutes because an official was struck but with something from the crowd. Bose fans weren't banned from any games. I'll leave it with you. Anyway, that's it for today. Thanks to Brian Farley, who's been with me for the last while. Thank you, Brian. We're back at 1.30 tomorrow. Eddie Caffrey's on his way with The Drive. We leave you in the company of Lewis Capaldi. Wish you the best, which we always do. I miss knowing what you're thinking And hearing how your day has been Do you think you can tell me everything, darling? It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. 
Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.